So today's daf is Kafchet in Yoma, but we got to the bottom of Amud Aleph yesterday because we got to the new parak. So we're going to start with the new parak, Amal Lehem It's a very famous parak because it has a lot of, uh, first of all, um, halachot that also pertain to halachale uh, ma'aseh uh, and also has some drashot that are very famous in it. Amal Lehem Amimuneh. Mimuneh is the appointed Kohen who is in charge of uh, directing, th- directing the schedule. The, the Rashi says that this is referring to the assistant of the Kohen Gadol. Uh, others just say it was somebody who was appointed to this job. Mimuneh means appointed. So what exactly that means? Which Kohen? What was a specific Kohen? Or was it somebody that was just appointed for this purpose? It's not a, a totally clear, but it was somebody official. Said, he, he would tell another Kohen to go and check if the time for the slaughtering of the Korban Tamit has arrived. And we learned about this yesterday, actually. And, and, and then, if it was in fact the time, in other words, if the light appeared on the horizon and indicated that it was time for the Korban Tamit to be brought, because if it was brought when it was still nighttime, it would be Pasul. So he would say, Omer Barkai. He would say the word Barkai. Barkai means light. Okay? So meaning to say that that, that was the code word that meant that there was enough light for them to proceed with the service. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So, Mavrik, it means like shining. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, Matya ben Shmuel Omer, that he would say, the entire eastern sky is lit until Hebron. Uh, more than just one spot of light that he had to see. He had to see the entire horizon lit all the way to Hebron. And he would say yes. Now the Gemara will discuss who says yes. But why did they have to send somebody up to a high place to check and see if it had been, if it was a light out or not? Because because once the moon came up, and they thought that that was the dawn, and they slaughtered the tamid, because that they had to burn it because it was pasul. And you know, because sometimes, certain times of the month, the moon rises in the morning. You know, you can see the moon rising in the morning sometimes, certain points in the month. And, um, and so they made a mistake and they saw the moon rising and they thought that that was the sun and they accidentally went ahead. And so therefore they made a rule that somebody had to go stand up on a high spot on a roof and check and make sure that it was really sunlight coming up and not moonlight. Uh, now this is switching back, of course, to the issue of the, of uh, Yom Kippur, because now it's talking about the uh, Kohen Gadol had to go to the Tevila, meaning at the point that they determined on Yom Kippur. See, um, this seems to be talking about any day, any day of the year, they would look and, and see whether it was time to, to do the Korban Tamid. That's not relevant only to Yom Kippur. Some of these halachot are just relevant to the regular Seder Avodah. Like a lot of that, what we were talking about in the previous uh, parak was not really talking about Yom Kippur at all. It was mainly just about the regular schedule of the Avodah of, of, uh, of the Bet HaMikdash, regardless of Yom Kippur. So now that we're switching back, we're switching gears back to the Kohen Gadol, he had to go to the Mikveh at that point, the Bet HaTevilah Zekal HaYabamikdash. There was a rule in the Bet HaMikdash that Kolam Mesechet Ogav means to have a bowel movement, in other words, to, to defecation, going to the bathroom. Ta'un um, Tevilah requires the Mikveh. If he goes to the bathroom, he has to go to the Mikveh. But if he only urinates, Ta'un Kiddush Yadayim V'Raglayim, he doesn't have to go to the Mikveh, but he would have to wash his hands and feet again. So if a Kohen goes to the bathroom 100%, meaning a full going to the bathroom, so then he has to go to the mikveh. But if he just urinates, they didn't consider that to be as serious, you know, as complete of a... Because they would just do that anywhere back then. I mean, it wasn't like today where we consider urinating or any kind of bathroom use has to be done in the bathroom. They would just do, you know, they, when they had to urinate or do anywhere on the street, you know, they, they, they didn't really care about that so much. It wasn't considered such a, uh, such a complicated process um, as it is for us. So they wouldn't necessarily go to a bathroom for that at all. So that wasn't considered as intense an involvement 
as uh, defecation. Similarly, you know, the urine is not considered, is not regarded by the halacha as strictly as feces is, re- is regarded when it comes to tefillah, a place that is dirty for tefillah, and so on. So anyway, the Gemara says, Tanya, Rabbi Ishmael, Omer. Not in the Beit HaMikdash, but there was a mikveh there. I guess you would have to go outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back then, that was common even in a regular house. You wouldn't have a bathroom. Yeah. So, Tana, the the bright says, Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Barak Barakai. He would say, a light is lit. Rashi says, Heir Yoter Mi Barak. So, it's meaning it's a, oh, that, that's, uh, oh, no, that's the next one. Right? So, he says, the Rabbi Shmuel says, he would say, a, a, a light is shining. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Ala Barakai. That light has gone up, meaning it's even more than just a little bit of light, but there's a significant amount of light. So it's a d- d- debate about exactly how much light has to appear there. It's even lit up in Hebron. In other words, you have to be able to see light, not just in the immediate vicinity, but extending to Hebron. This was, he actually lived during the times of the Beit HaMikdash, and he was talking about what they actually did. Not just that you could see light in Hebron, but you could see that the entire strip of sky from Jerusalem to Hebron was lit up. So that's even more. In other words, they're debating exactly how much light there has to be. A little bit of light, more light than that, uh, light in Hebron, or light along the entire sky all the way to Hebron, which of course is the most, um, the most strict standard of how much light you need. Not only do you have to see that the light extends to Hebron, but you have to see that everybody's going to work already. In other words, the guy who goes up to the roof and sees the light has to say, I see people going to work already. That's a sign that it's time to do the Korban Tamid. That's true. That's very late. But people are already going to work. That means they already prayed. They're already going to work. How could that be? No, it means it doesn't mean the actual work. In other words, the workers themselves are not at work yet, but it means they would go to hire day laborers very early in the day, like people do today. You know, they will sometimes go to hire day laborers on wherever they hang out, you know, and uh, they'll go very early because if you don't catch them early, somebody else could catch them. If so, if they wait till the, the, the work goes. Right. So there's no Why they need to, well, he's saying to that waiting till people are actually at work is too late. That's already like uh, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. That's too late. So he's saying, but if you see that they're going to find day laborers, that's like the, early, the first thing that you do. In other words, they would go find them, and then the, by the time the workers would actually come, it would be, let's say, an hour later or something like that. So it's saying it doesn't mean that you have to wait till people are actually working because that's too late. But you have to wait until you see that people are going to find the day laborers. That was like the first thing that they did. The point is that we want to make sure, we're going to, we're trying to make sure that it is dawn, that it's not nighttime. So, so a, a little bit of light maybe isn't enough. The whole sky, maybe not enough. He's saying it has to be not only the whole sky, but you see people coming out already. That's a sign that, you know, that it's, it's light enough. Okay. He was in charge of uh, the piasot is the pais of the kohanim. In other, yeah, the yeah the gorlot of the kohanim that he was signed. In other words, he was the guy. He was actually literally in charge of uh, dividing up the work among the kohanim during the second bet Mikdash. And he's telling you that's what they used to do. He's speaking from personal experience, right? No. That's why I mentioned that. That's very little. Yeah, very little. Very little difference. difference. Very little difference. Yeah. So now. Um, so it says, Amar of Safrat, the, the prayer of Avraham Avinu, and he's talking about Mincha, not about Shachrit. It's from the time that the walls would become dark. In other words, from the first time you see shade. When the sun is straight overhead, there's no shade because the sun is coming straight down. But from the moment that it's at an angle, you start to see shade. 
So that is when you can start saying Minchav, which means basically the way that we, the, the, you know, what, what's really saying is that immediately after midday, really, you should be able to say Minchav. We wait another half hour after midday to say Mincha. But, and that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara is going to ask that. We wait until a half an hour past noon to say Mincha. But according to this, as soon as you could see the slightest shade, in other words, at 12.01, theoretically, you should be able to uh, start saying Mincha. Now, of course, the Mepharshim ask, why is it mentioning Avram Avinu with Mincha? That was Yitzchak Avinu. We always say Sheitiken Yitzchak Avinu Alav Hashalom, not Sheitiken Avram Avinu for Shachrit. So, so the, um, so the Tosfoti Shanim on the Baharam says that, that two possibility, two possible answers. One answer is that init- that once Yitzchak Avinu made Mincha, Avraham Avinu adopted the mitzvah and he started doing it and it's credited to him because he, you know, he gets the credit for it because he's Avraham Avinu. So he's the source of everything. So even though, Av- even though Yitzchak Avinu was the one who introduced it, Avraham Avinu adopted it and then it's, so it refers to it as his tefillah. Um, even though Yitzchak established it. The other possibility is that Avraham himself did pray Mincha, but he didn't impose it on the rest of his family. In other words, Shacharit, he was mitaken. What does it mean, litaken? It means make it something official. So Avraham Avinu only made Shacharit official and insisted that his family do Shacharit. He also said Mincha, but he didn't make it official that everyone had to do Mincha. Only Yitzchak came and said, my fa- institute, when it says Tiken, it means that he insisted that the family also do it. So either way, it's talking about Mincha. And the question is going to be, why don't we follow that? So the question is, since you see that really the Tfilah is from... Uh, you know, is from Chatzot and on. Really, that's the time where you should be able to uh, uh, to say Mincha. And the Gemara is going to eventually ask, well, then why don't we say it that early? But first, it's going to digress. And, uh, and, and Rav Yosef says, We're going to learn things from Avraham Avinu. That's before the giving of the Torah. How can we go and learn Alachot from uh, Avraham Avinu? Right? And Rashi says, uh, you want to be as good as Avraham, you're going to be as, you know, uh, we don't always live up to that standard. We're learning practice from Avraham. It says, no, we do. Because uh, we have uh, we have Tanaim that learn from Avraham. Why shouldn't we? Because on the eighth day it says that we have to circumcise a child. That means that the whole day is good for Brit Milah. But we learn about the idea of Zrizin Maktim in the Mitzvot from Avraham Avinu that he got up early in the morning. Of course, that's not talking about uh, about that's talking about the Akedah, right? It's not talking about uh, Milah, but the point is we learn the idea of Zrizin Maktimin that we always try to do as early as possible from Avraham Avinu. We do learn Halachot from him. So we should also learn, right? So why can't we learn also that we should do Mincha as early as possible from noon? So, uh, there's a different issue that actually Rav Yosef had. It wasn't the question of whether we could learn from uh, from Avraham Avinu. Of course we can learn ideas from Avraham Avinu. The thing is, that now we learned in the Mishnah, Masach Pesachim actually, we learned that in a year like this year was, right, where the, uh, where Erev Pesach was, um, Oh no, this is talking about Erev Pesach falling on Erev Shabbat, right? So it's, it's brought at six, at, at 12.30, right? It says that it's at Shesh Mechetza. Shesh Mechetza means at 12.30 they would bring the, uh, and the reason why was because they had to squeeze everything in in time because Shabbat was coming. Right, so they had to make it extra early because Shabbat was coming. So when uh, when when Ere, when uh, Pesach would actually be on Shabbat, meaning so Erev Pesach 
was Arab Shabbat. So they had to make sure that all the Korbanot Pesach and the Korban and, and everything else that needed to be done was done before Shabbat started, including the roasting of the Korban Pesach. It had to be super early because they couldn't do anything on Shabbat. So therefore, they did the earliest possible time. What was the earliest possible time they would bring the Korban Tamid of the afternoon? And remember, the Korban Tamid of the afternoon is always the last Korban of the day. And they would try to make it as late as possible, except on Erev Pesach, where the mitzvah is that you have to do the Korban Pesach after the Korban of the afternoon. And since you have to do it after the Korban of the afternoon, so uh, they had to do the Korban of the afternoon as early as possible to squeeze in as much time in the afternoon as possible. So they would do it at 12.30. They didn't do it at 12 o'clock, right? So if it's true, so they have an ishchatem mikim ishachrei kotle, so why don't we do it at 12.01 exactly on the dot? Why do we wait till 12.30? Every half hour counts. I mean, we're trying to squeeze so many korbanot in. So it says, my kushia, what's the difficulty? Maybe we only see shade at the Beit HaMikdash from 1230. Because the walls are not exactly straight. In other words, when you have precision, yeah, you would see a tiny fraction of a shadow, you know, at 1201, because the, sun, the angle of the sun is slightly shifted at midday, after midday, one minute. But the, but, but the walls of the Beit HaMikdash are not so precise that you're going to get uh, shade like that. So you wouldn't be able to rely on that. Alternatively, Abraham Avinu was unique because Abraham Avinu knew astronomy very well. He was an expert in astronomy, so he knew how to calculate the exact time. We don't have such a level of, uh, of accuracy, which is one of the reasons why, you know, for instance, you could make an argument that today, even though I'm not, this is not halakha lemaseh, but I'm saying you could make an argument that today we should be able to rely on uh, 12.01. If a person said mincha after midday, it's yatzai dechovah. That's true. Why? Because really, midday is the measurement, but we can't tell exactly when is midday, so we give another half hour. But the only thing is, nowadays we have digital phones and luach zmanim, down to one second of time. We know exactly when chatzot is, exactly when the time is. So really, we should be able to rely on that. Halacha said we don't practically, but b'diavad, if a person said minchat a little bit early, 15, 20 minutes early, there would be yatayi dechovah. Now, so, because it says, Abraham Avinu knew astronomy so well, he was able to determine exactly the point of Chatzot and exactly when Mincha could start. Now, Inami, another possibility is it wasn't because he knew necessarily was such an expert in uh, astronomy, but because he was Zaken Vyoshev Shiva was because he was sitting and learning in Shiva, he was studying, he was the wisdom that he had of Torah that had enabled him to do that. Because that there was never a time in the uh, in the uh, 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 the patriarchs did not have a yeshiva with them. Their ancestors had always a place of learning. When they were in Egypt, they had it. Because it says, to Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, go gather the elders of Israel. That was when he was first going to reveal to them that Hashem had spoken to him. When they were in the desert, they also had a yeshiva, meaning they had people who were sitting and learning. That was what Hashem said to Moshe in the Midbar. There were always 70 elders around sitting learning. That's true about Avram Avinu, because it says Avram was old and coming in years, which means old zaken means somebody who's learning. It means a wise person. It doesn't mean a, a number of years. It also calls Yitzchak zaken, which is somebody who's involved in learning. Same thing with Yaakov. It says his eyes were heavy from 
age. But again, the word zaken is always a reference to wisdom, sitting and learning. And so therefore, um, and so therefore, right, it says, what does it mean, ben zikunin? What does it mean, v'hadarta pene zaken? It also says, talking about wisdom, not talking about physical age. Physical age alone doesn't necessarily come with wisdom. Hopefully it does. It comes with a certain wisdom of experience, usually. That is true. But um, it doesn't necessarily come with the wisdom of Torah unless the person really uses that. But the idea is that, and in fact, the Rambam says in the Halachot Hilchot of De Kochavim, Avodar Kochavim, he says that uh, he describes the uh, the generations, and he says Avraham Avinu taught many Talmidim, v'chiber Sfarim. He wrote a lot of books about Avodah, against the Avodah Zarah. And then Yitzchak Avinu continued, and he had Talmidim, and he wrote books, and Yaakov Avinu continued to do that. And then even in Mitzrayim, Shevet Levi, he says, continued to do that. Shevet Levi. So the um, so the idea is that you know the Rambam even brings this. The Rambam brings it when he describes the uh, that yeah they always had learning and they always had, were teaching and and so therefore because he had great chokhman wisdom not just astronomical wisdom but wisdom of Torah then therefore he had the ability to tell exactly when uh, when chatzot was going to be whereas we don't necessarily have the ability uh, to determine that and that's why we can't rely on uh, we can't be so precise. Uh, to think that we're going to determine exactly when midday is, and uh, and that's why we have to wait for another half hour after that. Okay, but now the uh, now it says also continues with this line of thinking that Eliezer Eliezer was also a uh, learning in yeshiva, so to speak. Says that Avraham spoke to Zekan Beto, the elder of his house. The elder means the wise person. Okay, he was a master of the Torah of his teacher, meaning he knew what he was talking about. It doesn't say Amoshel Bechol Shelo doesn't just mean the material things, it means the spiritual things. He was a master of what his, his uh, teacher taught him, right? Who Damesic Eliezer, when Avraham Avinu complains that he doesn't have any children and he only has Damesic Eliezer, Eliezer from Damascus is what it literally means, but it says Amrabi Elazar, She Dole Umashke, Damesic stands for Dole Umashke, meaning that he draws the water and he gives it to drink. Meaning, Meaning he would draw from the wisdom of his teacher Avraham Avinu, and he would he would give to drink from the Torah of Avraham Avinu to other people. So meaning to say that because they were involved in wisdom to such a great extent, um, they were called zikinim yoshvim Shiva. As if they were, you know, it says yeshivas is what they're calling it. I mean, obviously it didn't look exactly like yeshiva today, but the idea is that they were sitting and they were learning and they were involved, and therefore they were able to determine these times, uh, the time of the uh, minchap with precision. Okay, it's just going, yeah, right, yeah, it's going on, it's going on the same. Once it started talking about how all the people in the circle of Abraham were. Were you know were involved? I guess it it it, it uh, continued in that line of line of drasha. Was like kind of the Roshiva of Abraham, and then he was Abraham was you know, because he sent him to right fight him. So why did send him? Right, because right that's what it said. One of the reasons why Abraham was afraid that he was going to be punished was because he took the people who were learning and he sent them out to fight against uh, Sodom. Against right. not Saddam, you know, uh, to save Saddam. Uh, yeah, against the four kings. Mm. Um, yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the Midrashim saying. Now, Amara, Rav says, Kiem Avram Avinu Kolat Vakula. Avram Avinu fulfilled the entire Torah. Amar Ekevesh Shema Avram Bekuli. This is the beginning of Parshat Toledot. That because Abraham listened to my voice, Ekev Shema Avram Bekuli. And it says, Vaishmor Mishmarti. He guarded my watch. Mitzvotai, Chukotai, Vitorotai, which is my, my commandments and my statutes and my Torot. So the implication is that Avram Avinu uh, fulfilled all the mitzvot. So the question is, 
Maybe it just means the seven mitzvot of Bnei Noach, which is actually what the Ramban says in his Pirush on the Torah, that it could be that when, that when it says that Avraham Avinu kept all the mitzvot, it means the Sheva mitzvot of Bnei Noach. It doesn't mean that he kept the 613 mitzvot. Could be. So it says, What about Brit Milah? We know he had Brit Milah, so it's got to be at least eight. Fine, so say it's seven mitzvot plus Milah. Why do you need so many uh, different words to describe just the seven mitzvot of Bnei Noach. It says mitzvotai, chukotai, torotai. Just to say the seven mitzvot, just say mitzvotai. That's enough. Why does it say so many different things? Well, we it must mean... Well, it's not so clear what he kept. Maybe he gave the... It says he gave the chem'ah first. Maybe he gave the dairy first. Could be. Also, according to the Torah... Yeah, according to the Torah, the... the, 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 the uh, the eating of the uh, meat and milk together is only a sore when it's cooked together. So, you know, but yeah, I discussed the deeper meaning of these. Uh, Midrashim had a, a shiur on it. But just even just according to the pshat, you can always interpret it. The, the, difficult, the difficulty is that, you know, Yaakov Avinu marries two sisters. There's no yeah, real way around that. Right, there's no way around that one. Um, you know, the, the Ramban talks about it actually in, the, in his Pirush on the Torah. But anyway, Amar Ravavas Vitem Ravashi, Kiyem Avram Avinu Filoi Ovei Tavshili. Avraham Avinu even kept Eruvet Avshili. Shenemar Torotai. It sounds silly, right? Achat Torah Shebichtav, Achat Torah Shebalpeh. Whether it's, that Torotai is in the plural, right? So whether it's Torah Shebichtav or Torah Shebalpeh. So I had explained one time that um, this idea that it means that, um, that Avraham Avinu is, that we think that, the, that, uh, that keeping the Torah means following the Halakha, the Shulchan Aruch, but actually Avraham Avinu is really the one who's keeping the Torah because his life is the service of Hashem and Kiddush Hashem and all that. And so it's, his life is more of a keeping of the whole Torah than our life is. So the problem is that we go backwards and we take, uh, we take pictures of Avraham Avinu and they put a black hat on him and tzitzit and everything and say, oh look, he's exactly like us. He's, uh, he's doing all the same mitzvot that we are. Because the problem is that we think of being religious as keeping the mitzvot in the way that we do it. So we see Avraham Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu and we say they're not religious. Like if you saw Avraham and Yitzchak, you'd say they're not religious because they don't keep any of the mitzvot that we keep. So the rabbis are saying, no, no, they kept all the mitzvot. But it's, it, you know, a one way of looking at that is not literally that they kept all the mitzvot, because first of all, 70% of the mitzvot, 75% are Yezecher Letziat Mitzrayim. They, they obviously, you know, or they're the Beta Mikdash mitzvot. It's, you know, most of the mitzvot, the Tariyag mitzvot, of the Beta Mikdash, obviously they didn't keep them. What does it mean? It means that their life was a true fulfillment of the Torah. So it's because we don't understand what the Torah is really about, we think that they, that we're religious and they're not. But actually, it's the other way around. What they were doing was actually the, the true to what the Torah is trying to accomplish, uh, Kiddush Hashem and serving Hashem. What we're doing is just a, an imitation of it. Like Hashem gave us the mitzvot to try to make us more like Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu. But if we saw Avram and Yitzchak, we'd say they're not religious because they don't follow, you know, they don't, they don't have the Tayag mitzvot. But it's the opposite. The Tayag mitzvot are to make us more like them. And, uh, and that's why the rabbis are emphasizing even something like Eruvet Avshilein, they take an example which seems absurd, I think on purpose it's really to, t- to show you, like even the mitzvot de Rabbanan, the ultimate purpose is to serve Hashem and be Mikadeshem Shamaim, sanctifying God's name. Who, who was the ultimate example of doing that? Avraham Avinu. We don't see a connection between the mitzvot we're doing and the real purpose. That's why we don't see Avraham Avinu as keeping all the mitzvot. But anyway. The best purpose yeah. is the, that Hashem made the Mishkan according to what uh, his house was looked like. Well, Yaakov. Oh, oh according uh, Abraham. to Abraham, right? Also, say about according to Yaakov Avinu, the way that oh, the yeah. sons were organized around it, the Shvatim. Oh, right. Yeah, always they say that. Yeah. Well, Avinu, so, but 
רק אחרי שהוא עשה את הברית מילה, הוא קם לג'ו, and then, or then came. Right, what about that? So, there is no problem by marrying his sister, because a girl can be married with her. But that wasn't Abraham, that was Yaakov, who married the two sisters. That was much later. Right. So anyway, Matya ben Shmuel Omer, etc. So Omer Hen. So the question was, who said Hen? Because said Matya bar Shmuel said, Matya bar Shmuel said, and uh, that that the that the person says Heir Kobnei Mizrachar Chevron, that the whole sky is lit up until Chevron, and then and it says, and he said yes. Who said yes? So Amar Hen, who who said Man Amar Hen? You're going to tell me that the guy who's standing on the roof is saying yes to his own statement? That's weird, yeah. right? He said, he, he say, it's like saying, I meant your own bracha, you know? He, see, he, see, he, he, he says, the whole sky is lit up. Yes. Why is he saying yes? What's the answer? Right? And if you're going to say it's the guy on the ground who says yes, how does he know that it's correct? In other words, he, you know, why is he saying yes? It must be that right? that he repeat, they repeat the question to him and he says Well, it doesn't yeah. say that. So let's see. Let's see what Gamar says. So you could say that it's the one on the ground. It could work either way. That we have to break the dialogue into two parts. That, that he said that he said the whole eastern sky is lit up. The guy in the ground said, Ad up to Hebron. In other words, that wasn't all the line of the guy standing up there. We read it as the whole thing is what the guy standing up there says that the sky is lit up up to Hebron. Saying, no, he just said the sky is lit up. And then the guy in the ground said, is it lit up to Hebron? And they said, yes, right? So that would make sense. Alternatively, that it could be the other way around, that the guy in the ground says to the guy in the roof, is the whole eastern sky lit up? And the guy on the roof says, and then the guy the roof, on, on the roof says, yes, until Hebron. And he said, good. You know, hen here means good, means like uh, an affirmative statement, like he's pleased with the answer, not that, uh, like, yes, like, awesome, you know, let's move forward, yeah. Like you would say now, yes, like, yeah, it's great. Right, yeah, meaning he's happy about it. It's, it's an it's it's an approving statement, not a not an affirming statement. He doesn't he doesn't doesn't see it himself, but he's approving of that conclusion. He's happy about it. Either way, you could you have to break up the dialogue in order to understand what the yes is in the conversation. Now, why did they need? And by the way, they say the reason why they wanted to mention Chevron is because Chevron is where the avot are buried. So there's a you know want to marry mention there's a chutavot. Rashi mentions. But the tree can see up Chevron. He could see the sky. It's yeah. It's not that far. It's the east. It's a little bit further east, but you, you, you can see the sky. The sky, you can't actually see what's going on in Hebron from there, but yeah, towards Hebron, yeah. So, yeah, so it says, Why did you, uh, why did they have to go to such a great extent? Because one time they mistook moonlight for sunlight, right? So now it says, Is it really possible? Rabbi said that the, the, the light of the moon is not the same as the light of the sun because that when the light of the moon is very straight, 
It doesn't, it doesn't uh, spread out. But Timur Shachamam mafzir lekan v'lechan. Right, right. The, 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 the light of the sun spreads out more. The light of the moon is more concentrated. It doesn't spread out. So how could they make a, how would they be confused? So It was a cloudy day. Because on a, the moon also, if it, on, a, on a cloudy night, because of the, the uh, moon will, the, because of the clouds, it will like cause the light to, it'll affect the way that the light comes out. It'll be, also look like sunlight. And because it was cloudy, they thought it was sun, but it was really moon and it was an optical illusion. So therefore they had somebody go up on the roof and check. You learn from this that a, a, a cloudy day is all sun, right? Meaning that the sun that comes through uh, on a, Rashi says, that even in a place that you think you're in the shade, because the sun penetrates through everything, um, it's not coming straight through because it's going through the clouds, but it actually is, uh, it, it, you know, it's actually spread everywhere. And that's why they say, you know, even on a cloudy day, you have to wear sunscreen. Yeah. Right? They always say, like, people think, oh, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, they go yeah. out to this, they go out in the summer, and they think they don't have to wear sunscreen because it's cloudy day, but no, the sun actually penetrates through. That's exactly what this is saying. Right? Now, Amav Nachman, oh no, I skipped some part of it. Uh, Papa uh, said that therefore you see that right what's the difference to put out skins to dry in the sun that you don't have to worry if they're in the shade because it's going to be just as hot as uh, you know as in the uh, as as in the sun because it penetrates through the clouds that we know that a woman is not supposed to uh, they're not supposed to knead the dough of uh, uh, of matzah. Uh, in the sun, because it will heat up the water that will cause chimuts. So that's even true on a cloudy day. You shouldn't do it. Say, oh, I'm in the, cl- I'm in front of a cloud. So yeah, it's not yeah, gonna, yeah. it's not, it's not gonna become chametz. It's not true. Because really, actually, the sun's coming through and it's just that you don't, you can't tell, but the light is actually coming through just as much, if not more. I'm Rav Nachman. So Amad Shimsha, Kashem Shimsha. In fact, this shining of the light through the clouds, um, the heat from the sun on the cloudy day is more powerful than the direct light because it's not as it's not as concentrated in one place. It's spread out even more, right? What's an example of that? It's like when you have vinegar and you have a container of vinegar. If you have the top of the container off and the smell wafts out, you know it goes in all different directions. But when you have a top on it and you make one hole, it's more concentrated. It comes through that hole. It's going to be more pungent. So it's saying in the same way because the clouds kind of like squeeze the light in a certain way. It's going to be even more. More intense than when the sun shines directly. Similarly, if a person ends up looking at the lights from the sun that's going around the clouds, it's going to be more uh, blinding than uh, looking directly. Okay, it's like uh, it's like water that drips. That water that drips on a person. Um, in one place of his body, part of his body drives him more crazy than water when he puts his entire body in, right? The one, the concentrated drip is more, that's like the Chinese water torture thing, but I don't think that's on you. It's like a sound, right? But the idea is that a little bit of a drip is more annoying. Like a person that's in water is okay, but if there's like something dripping on them, it's more annoying. So in the same way, the, uh, he's saying that the, uh, you know, the light of the sun is, is more harmful when it's uh, dripping through the cloud, so to speak, than when it's just directly shining right there. Now, you way up Similarly, uh, there's another thing where you would think it's less potent, but it's actually more potent, which is when uh, that the thought about sin is worse than the sin itself. And the and the uh, and Rashi says that tavat nashim, the fantasizing about women, is more damaging to the person than actually engaging in the behavior. The behavior starts and finishes; it's over. But the fantasizing can take over the person and their life and their mental life. It's actually more damaging because the fantasies are always better than reality. 
So the person will fantasize a lot, and when they do the action, they get it out of their system, and they say, oh, well, that was a sin, but it's over now, and what, I was so stupid, you know, why did I do that? You know, whereas the person who's fantasizing, they just keep getting, going on and on and on, they think it's going to be so great, you know? And that's why it says, it's like the smell of meat, things always smell better than they taste, almost always, right? Mm-hmm. Smells so good. Tastes good, but not as good as it smells, right? So the so same thing. The smell. The Ram, the Rambam says in the Morin of Ochim that uh, that the reason why it's so bad is because when a person does an action with their body, that's a, they they have an impulse, an instinct, and they do an action. They did it with their body, but when the person's mind is involved and their soul is involved because they're thinking about it, fantasizing all that, they're using the highest part of themselves to do the sin. It's even worse in a way than. Uh, than, than the body doing the sin, because the body is the body. Yeah, you know. the son of uh, David Amelech. Well, oh, I'm known, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the fantasy was better than... Yeah, once he did it, he felt horrible, and he hated her. Throw it, throw it out. Right, because it was all in his fantasy for so long. That's exactly right. That's a good example. Now, the end of the summer heat is worse than the uh, regular summer, meaning like August heat, I guess we would say, is the worst. I think that's probably true. Like it's a, Because the build-up, the simanech tanwa shagira, that uh, you see that a, an oven that's been used a lot, so then when you want to heat it, even with a little bit of effort, it becomes very hot because it's been hot all the time. So the so- same thing is true. Everything is hot during the summertime. And so you come to August, so the heat is exacerbated because of that. Uh, a fever that a person has in the winter is more intense than during the summertime. Because you see that... Um, that if you have an oven that you need to heat when it's cold, it takes more effort to heat it. So, the, so too, if a person has a fever, even when it's cold outside in the winter, that must be a really intense fever because even with the environment being very cold, they're still very hot. Migmar um, batika, uh, learning something you've already learned in the past, you have to relearn it. Kashem is harder than learning a new thing. And the example is, if you have, let's say, um, if you've already made some uh, tinas like uh, clay or it says tit like the uh, cement that you uh, that you uh, stir that you you know that you that, that you that you make if you have cement that's already hardened and you want to break it down and make cement again out of the already hardened cement it's much more difficult than if you have the cement already that you're mixing and you add more so you can do that but once it becomes hard and you have to break it down again to make it, to make it to renew it sort of it's going to be much more difficult so too if you already learned something once and you forgot it or you have mistakes or whatever and now you have to relearn it it's much harder than if you're learning something new for the first time and it's fresh gradual like Gechalim stays Mm-hmm. When you put uh, oil on the fire, it goes, it's and it and goes out. out. It's true. That's it's true, too. Yeah, it's, it's true, too. But it's, you know, they say that if you learn something poorly one time, like let's say a kid has a bad bar mitzvah teacher. We don't have such a thing in our community. We're, we have good, bar, really good bar mitzvah teachers. But, you know, in some communities, the bar mitzvah teachers, they don't know that much themselves how to read so well. Mm-hmm. You know, they teach the kids all these mistakes. So years later, those mistakes will still be in the kid's head. They have to try to relearn it, you know, unlearn the mistake that they made. So it's like in Perkei Avot, it says, Elisha ben Avuya, even though he became a bad guy later, but he's in Perkei Avot from when he was good. 
Elisha ben Avuya says that if you, uh, when you teach, when you learn something in your youth, it's like writing on a clear paper, a clear parchment, you know. But if you teach an old person who already, you know, who's older, it's al niyar machuk. It's like you erased something and you're writing on it a new thing. So if you already have like certain bad habits or certain things you learned the wrong way, unlearning, relearning is harder. It's like if you have a, if you have a bone that's broken and they set it the right way, so it's, it's, it heals. But let's say it, it heals wrong. Because you didn't go to the doctor. So now they have to break it and reheal. It's worse, you know? So it's saying the similar idea. To reset is harder than to learn fresh. Now, Amar Bayabao Maitam Rabbi, what's the reasoning of Rabbi? Rabbi said earlier, um, he was saying that the, uh, the sun di- sort of like is diffuse. The light spreads out, right? Just like the ayala, ayala tashachar is the word for dawn, but it's ayala. It's like a, uh, uh, it's like a uh, hind. It's like a, you know, like a deer, right? Female right. Female. What do you? Yeah, female. So it says just like the ayala, karnea mafzilot lekan ulchan, that its horns like come out and they spread out. So avshachar zeh mafzil lekan ulchan. So to the light of the morning spreads out like the horns of the deer. I'm going to be zera. Lamanim shlai still ayala. Why is still considered like ayala? Because it says ayala tashachar is talking about. Esther, lomar lechad ma ayala, just like the um, just like the ayala, the female deer, or that is so. Achmat zar v'chavival bala kolshav v'shakishar rishona. It says that she re- retains her youth, so her mate, rather than losing interest, is always just as excited to mate with her as uh, the first time. She remains fresh, and she remains her body remains just as uh, you know as in her youth. So too, every time Achashverosh was with Esther, it was like the first time all over again, and therefore he never lost his excitement to be with Esther. Why is Esther like the morning? Just like the morning is the end of the night, Esther was the end of all the miracles. We're talking about anything written in the Tanakh. The last miracle written about in Tanakh is Purim. That's good according to the view that says that, that the Megillat Esther was meant to be written down. We're going to learn a Masechet Megillah when we get there. There is an opinion that says that actually Esther wasn't supposed to be part of the Tanakh. It was supposed to be read but not part of the Tanakh. So then what's the difference between Purim and Chanukah then? Then we're going to have to go for the answer of Rabbi Binyamin Bar Yefet who said Amar Elazar. Why is the prayer of the tzaddikim considered like a uh, like this uh, female deer? Just like the uh, this ayala, the more that it grows, the more that the horns get longer. So too with the righteous people, the more that they pray, the more that their tefillah is answered. And so when Esther was praying, she's called Ayala Tashachar because she's like Ayala, just like the Ayala, the horns get longer and longer. Esther's tefillah was getting more and more intense and therefore being answered. And that's why she's called Ayala Tashachar. There's another very famous, super famous drasha on Ayala Tashachar, which is in... Um, which is in the Yerushalmi, in Bachot and Yerushalmi, that says that why is it, why is uh, Esther called, or, you know, what, what's the meaning of Ayelet HaShachar? And it's quoting from here also, it's saying that just like the dawn appears slowly, 
the light, the first beginning of light, and then more light, more light. So too, the Geulah of the Jewish people doesn't happen all at once, but it happens slowly. First, a little appearance of light, then a little more, a little more gradually it appears. And so the, it's considered like the daylight. That's a very famous uh, drasha on that pasuk as well. So, we'll continue from here. Next